0: Hi, I'm Rod Gerardo, research resident at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. And a few weeks ago, we talked about esophageal atresia and tracheoesophageal fistula. We talked about the diagnosis and surgical management, but one piece of the puzzle that we didn't get to touch on. What happens when that space between the proximal and distal esophagus is just too long, or what we call a long gap? So today, we're going to talk about long gap esophageal atresia with Dr. Dan Von Allman. He's the surgeon in chief at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. And the first thing we should probably touch on is how do you even know if that gap is too long in the first place?
1: Our method here is that if we have a a child with no gas in the abdomen and we take them to the OR and put a G-tube in. Uh, Many times we'll do, we'll put something up the distal esophagus at that point and just get a fluoro shot. But then we'd wait a couple of weeks and we have our patients go down to interventional radiology uh, where we have a protocol for measuring the gap.
0: Okay, so at Cincinnati Children's, they have a protocol for how exactly they measure that gap. So it's the same for every patient. So then once you find out that you have a gap, you got some options.
1: They all have advantages and disadvantages. As we all know, we like to try to preserve the esophagus if we can. And certainly uh, John Fokker and David, who's been on, and Kimura have have, um, described great elongation techniques um, that can be used to try to to preserve the native esophagus and get the two ends together.
2: First, let's talk about the Fokker technique. In this procedure, the surgeon, through an open incision, will tie a suture to either end of the esophagus. Then they'll bring those sutures out through the chest wall and close the incision. Then they take those two free ends of the suture and tie them together in a knot. Then they place spacers underneath the knot periodically, about every day or so, until the two ends come together and they take the patient back to the operating room for a primary anastomosis.
1: The physiology, which I believe in intensely, is that stretch is a, is a very strong promoter of growth. And that if you put things on tension, uh, they will actually grow over time. That's how the cardiovascular system develops in utero. And I did some research early in my career looking at lung growth and using pressure to grow lungs. So, so, But the philosophy here is that with traction, you can get the two ends of the esophagus to grow. And if you can get them to grow far enough, you can put them together.
2: Okay, next we'll talk about the Vanderzee technique. It's the same concept except it's done thoracoscopically and there are no external sutures. So all of the tension is inside the thorax. And lastly, the Kimura technique, which really isn't used all that often anymore. The idea here is you first create a spit fistula and then periodically you move that fistula down the chest wall over time to stretch the proximal pouch, bringing it closer to the distal pouch to be able to create an anastomosis.
0: Now, if we look specifically at the Fokker technique, there is some good literature to support this technique. Here's Dr. Von Allman.
1: There was a great article uh, published by the Boston Group, 2015, divides the cases into two groups, a primary group and a secondary group, secondary being patients who had had operations uh, previously, and the primary group being cases that they saw uh, de novo. Obviously, you look at the the result of getting the esophagus together and intact esophagus in 96% of patients in the primary group, about two-thirds of patients in the secondary group. But these procedures are not without some morbidity and you look at the ICU stay is uh, a median of 70 days with uh, a couple of weeks being paralyzed for the primary group and 110 days for the secondary group with, with a month of being paralyzed. About two thirds of patients with the primary repair were able to get the full oral nutrition and about 10, 10% of the patients who had the secondary repair.
0: If you want the article, I'm gonna link it below. So scroll down under the media player, you could open it up.
1: We were all taught the, uh, the dictum that every effort should be made to conserve the native esophagus as no other conduit can replace its function in transporting food from the oral cavity to the stomach satisfactorily. So
0: all of these techniques are great, but what if none of them really work?
1: Then what do we do?
2: Great question, Rod. You could use the stomach. That would be called a gastric transposition.
1: The surgical group from the INOEA, uh, their recommendation, the recommendation for the first option is a gastric pull up. Uh, You divide the esophageal stump at the esophageal hiatus and mobilize the fundus and pull the fundus up and you can pull it up either Uh, in the anterior or posterior mediastinum. You can
2: actually use the colon as an interposition as well.
1: I personally was trained to do colon interpositions.
0: Now, if you're listening to this podcast, like an audio only version of this podcast, that's totally fine. Just know that we want to give you the steps of how Dr. Von Allman does this surgery. So you got a couple options. Scroll down under the media player, you're gonna see a couple links. One of them, is to our YouTube page, and you can watch a video version of this podcast, and in that video version, we're going to have an animation created by the Cincinnati Children's Media Lab that walks you through the steps of this colonic interposition. Or, if you just want to watch like just that part of the video, we're going to link you to the Cincinnati Children's Media Lab's video animation of just the surgery itself. So you can click on that and watch that pop back into this audio podcast, or you can watch a video version of this whole podcast. You know, there's just so many options that we want to give you all of this content, either on YouTube or on audio podcasts or on our Stay Current in Pediatric Surgery app, which is in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. You, you got a lot of different ways that you can learn from Dr. Von Allman, we're gonna give them all to you. So follow the links, do whatever you want, but in the meantime, here's the rest of the episode.
1: The colon interposition, uh, you can use virtually any segment of the colon, whatever fits. When I do them, I base them on the blood supply and whenever whatever has the best blood supply uh, and the best size match uh, is the segment that I use. It is just a tube, so the peristaltic um, action is really not that important. Um, It is just a tube that uh, drains by gravity from mouth to stomach. Now, the downside to using colon? Common problems with this are that they dilate and they can uh, become tortuous. It's not uncommon to get kind of a sigmoid um, sink drain deformity just above the diaphragm.
0: All right, Dr. Von Allman, how do you avoid that?
1: I was taught initially that, that you can't fix that and that it's too dangerous and that you'll risk the blood supply to the colon interposition. Uh, but I found that actually that's not really true. I pass the interposition uh, posterior to the stomach, which leaves the vascular pedicle along the spine, and you can mobilize the colon. You can divide the gastric, um, do a laparotomy, divide the uh, colon attachment to the stomach and then mobilize the um, that sigmoid redundancy uh, transhiatally and then reanastomose the colon to the stomach. So uh I wouldn't pretend to say that these don't need to be revised sometimes, but um, it is not impossible to revise them, and the kids tend to do pretty well. But the good thing about using the colon? You can get extraordinary length on this, and Mike and I have done a few cases uh, for kids who had disasters, multiple operations elsewhere, who had caustic injuries uh, that were involved all the way up to the pharynx where we had to do a lot of work just on the pharynx to get that open and then literally sew the colon interposition to the pharynx and then down to the stomach, which is obviously tough to do with a gastric pull-up.
0: And then here are some images of a colonic conduit in the OR as well as a contrast image. Now, keep in mind that this video is from a live webinar. So here's a question from the interactive audience.
2: Anas brings up a great point. He says, you know, is this growth or stretch? Looking at the short interval between the time of traction and ostomosis, which is less than five days, is this stretching or growing? Because this will impact the results and likely reflects on the complications. would love to hear the comments for the experts on that.
1: I don't think we know we should do the studies to understand that, but I would say that this gets back to David Vanderzee's comment about go have a cup of coffee and come back and it'll be fine. Clearly that's not growth, that's stretch. Um, it, and yet there's the there's very good physiologic data that tension is a growth promoter, um, not necessarily in the esophagus, but in other organs. So I think that it's an area ripe for, uh, for a little more basic science.
0: So there you have it. A little advice from Dr. Dan Von Allman about what to do when you have esophageal atresia and the gap is just too long to put together right then and there. So if you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, download the Stay Current Pediatric Surgery
1: app. And until next time, remember, knowledge should be free.